Warning, the guest episodes on License for Love are experiences, expertise, and views of their own. The diversity duo is in no way liable for actions or advice one takes in their daily life from our guests. Our purpose is to give everyone a voice to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jax and Lauren Michaels Harris. The heartbeat in relationship conversation. Sexy, beautiful, let your hair fall. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax, and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And man, do we have an amazing series. I, I love doing these series. Uh, so the series is going to be called beauty in the eye of the beholder and the first episode is called are you ready for the or not for it may be the first episode we'll see what happens uh-huh. but uh, the episode is called i am beautiful and uh you'll understand why that's the title a little bit later on but doc how the hell are you i'm awesome and i cannot believe you titled it i am beautiful that used to be like my theme song every time i would start a new year in school i would like have a boom box remember those and my thing was i am beautiful awesome now hey help help me out here i am beautiful is uh who i just made that up it's no one oh see you're no but listen let me just ask you this because you know i can say i'm perfectly comfortable with referring to um men as beautiful but some guys have an issue with being called beautiful. Oh, guys are handsome. What do you, can you, do you believe men can be beautiful, Jax? You know, uh, I have been called beautiful before. Well, and I'm, and I must say that it was very awkward on the onset, but, uh, because like you, you know, I, you know, things like you're handsome, those kinds of things. Although I don't, I don't take compliments well, period. Um, but man, you know what's so awesome about the word beautiful is that it is subject to interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's not one particular certain lens of thing that gets constantly, you know, pushed out there. And that's what I'm so excited about the series for. I want to get into that a little bit later. Okay, wait. You have... You have a red carpet premiere coming up. I want to know a little bit about that. I do. And I have to like, uh, well, not have to, but they have me, um, I guess like da, 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 that kind of guy. But first I want to say this about beautiful. I thought it was so clever. I really did. Um, I was like, Oh, I'm so clever. Um, I posted something the other day in beautiful. I, I put B E dash capital U dash T I L L dash F U L L B U till full. Ooh. Go right. ahead and ring that bell. I Go did. ahead and ring that bell. B U till full. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I believe there are clues in everything around us. And like Bruce Lee said, well, let's be honest. Aren't there some really ugly people out there on the inside? Oh, yeah. I I was one once. Or probably way more than once. But I mean, you know, I've been ugly on the inside. That's what anger and rage and resentment and all those things that don't serve us. You know, that's the mm. real four-letter word. Mm. U-G-L-Y. You know, yeah. anything that makes you ugly on the inside. Yeah. Because haven't you met people? You thought, oh my God, look how handsome he is, or look how gorgeous she is. And then 10 minutes after they start talking, I can't stand a wretched ass. You know. Oh my God. <laughs> one of the worst, one of the worst dates that I ever went on. And I'm I'm pretty sure not all supermodels are this way. So much love to supermodels if you're out there listening. When I was one, I was never that way. But I was having this conversation with this woman and I said, Tell me something about you that nobody else knows, right? This is when I was single back in the day, the whole thing. And she goes, there's nothing about me that anybody knows or doesn't know. Oh. And in my mind, I was just like, oh my God, like you're so consumed 
with the superficial outside that you haven't even taken a moment or a beat to explore how beautiful you could be on the inside, you know? Emphasis on the could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think in a lot of cases, what happens is, is that, you know, that accountability isn't there. You know, one of the hard things for me in acting was, I remember I went to this, this, uh, this acting class and I was a little bit late for the class and I came in and the guy was like, sit down the whole entire thing. And, uh, he's like, and this is an example of someone getting by on their looks. And I was like, excuse me. And he was like, he was like, yeah, he goes, I bet you've getting, been getting by on your looks your whole entire life. And I said, I was like, I was really offended. And he goes, let me show you an example in the room. He goes, everybody in the room, this particular guy, how many do you think that he would be a good choice for leading roles? And, you know, the majority of the room, you know, raised their hand and all this kind of stuff. And he goes, you're ignorant or stupid. I think he said stupid, actually. It wasn't ignorant. Uh, uh, you're stupid part. if you believe that people aren't judging you based off of what you look, what your looks are. And it, it hit me hard because at first I was offended because I was like, oh, so you just make these assumptions about me because of what I look like. But the reality of it is, is that people are judging us off of what we look like. Yeah, And we have to be able to level that playing field of showing what all aspects of beauty are. And that's what I think today's guest is really going to be hitting at home. Absolutely. She's from Boston. So. Absolutely. I used to live in Boston. Oh, when you were, were you doing radio and stuff then? I was. And um, I worked uh, in downtown Boston. And I lived in Jamaica Plain, right by Forest Hill Station, the Green Line. Oh, so you guys might have some stuff to talk about we there. Might. We might. So I'm you, you talked about this. Uh, you, we you talked about this ugly thing. I want to unpack that a little bit more. Like, when did you look in the mirror, you know, or inside yourself, metaphorically, however you want to frame it up, and say, you know what? Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris, you're beautiful. You know, I was kidding when I said that about, you know, that was my theme song. Actually, I didn't look at myself at all until 50 something uh, when I transformed my body and won that competition. You know, a lot of people that follow me know that story, which is so ironic to so many that today, you know, like look behind me, but you guys can't see it, but you know, magazine covers and that kind of stuff. And when we got the award in New York city from the United Nations, the whole sidewalk of the block was uh, a, a picture. And before, you know, I had shaved, uh, brushed my teeth, washed my face um, for 30 years uh, in the shower simply so I would not have to look at myself in the mirror. Um, I, you know, when you, when trauma grows right along with us and many of us forget that I did. And there weren't even snapshots uh, on cameras or phones or anything. If there were, it was like, you know, when they say over here, say cheese and you go like this and cover your face up. That's what everybody had for me. So, um, I didn't feel, I still can't even say it. When you say, when did you look at yourself and say, I don't think I have. My husband says it all the time, but honey, you're so handsome. I'm like, ew, I still do that. I mean, I can look at stuff, but I look at why, like, I don't see the covers. I see the cover stories. I go right to that in my mind. I don't focus on the picture. I like it for a minute. But I'm not, mm -mm. I'm still working. Well, it, it's interesting I'm though, right? Because we do things out of necessity, like promotion and branding, marketing. Right. It's not because, ooh, I want to be looked at. Exactly. It's more so like, no, this is the vehicle mm. in order to get anyone to, you know, to to want to work with me or pay attention. Why exactly. do you think society, and I know I'm probably going to get dinged by you on this, but 
why do you think society puts so much pressure on the aspects of the looks of a person? What is it? Like, like uh, that's what I want to know. And that's I, what I want to understand. You know, I think it's just, it's a combination of things. It's the grooming that we grow up through, through the media yeah. and, you know, um, to, to get our money, to purchase this, look like that. Um, there's that. And there's also, you know, the in crowd, popularity, peer pressure, what comes with that beautiful territory, all the invitations, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's all those things. I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with outer beauty um, because I tell you what, when I go in the grocery store, it's not hard to find. I, I used to, no one will go to the grocery store with me for this very reason. Because I'll see someone, they don't have to be physically beautiful. They may have a beautiful scarf on. I just, it's not hard to find something beautiful, even if it's an aura around or mm -hmm. on or within a fellow human being. Um, and so, so that's maybe where we could change the psychology a little bit, right? Like as I, an example, I, to show you how much this, this superficial beauty thing is, I mean, Chris Rock literally was slapped at the Oscars oh, because of a joke I know. that he, that he made about Jada Pickett Smith and the aspects of her dealing with with the alopecia. Right. I mean, I don't, I think she's a beautiful woman. I don't care if she's got any hair or she's bald as the day is long. Right. Like it, you know, it, but what I'm saying is, is that when it gets so superficial, right, that is when we're, we're hitting like a fever pitch. So do you think like these Instagrams and the social media space and all of that, do you think that has some, a bigger influence even now on the way that people look at themselves and quote unquote, like the beauty that they have. Well, I'll say this. I don't know the answer to that because there's probably so many answers that we'd be here way beyond today. But I will say this about the, the Will Smith and the Chris Rock thing. Yes, please do. I, I'll tell you this. I, I am grateful. I mean, Sorry, Chris, you had to get the dog shit slapped out of you, but, and he didn't deserve it. But what it did do, because I'm going to tell you, I didn't even know that about Jada. I just thought she got her hair for a roll or, or just chose to wear it like that. Mm. No, I don't. It's just like this. I saw a woman must've been 75 years old yesterday with um, lime green hair and gray down the middle, you know, where the part was. And it didn't even make me take a second look. Where, really? No. I would have been like, I mean, I, I mean, I'm never, you know, I'll call myself on my own shit like that would have, I, I, I have not seen that hairstyle for me that those colors compute with me psychologically. I'd, I'd rather you be bald. Well, I looked at it like this. I was like, look at you. Love it. Because I'm trying to get where she's at. When I'm that age, you know, I want to be able to still express myself how I see fit. You know, I'm not trying to be that old man in somebody's home, sitting in the corner, rocking back and forth, saying, nurse, nurse, when's, when's the green jello coming? No, I want to be, I tell you, my goal is to be the black male Betty White. So there it is. So, so we know that you, you have a hair full of head, head full of hair, right? Who? You. No, <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just oh, joking. Oh, like, I'm, I'm just kidding. So, do you, do you elect to be bald? Like, does some of it grow in, or did you just like get to a point to where you're like, you know what? I just think I'll dome it out. Look, look at me in the People magazine, 1988. It's, when you come to this house, you'll see it's hanging up there. I could not believe I had not thought about shaving my head. I was 26 years old, and I looked like George Jefferson. The whole middle part was gone all the way well, back. You, you channel both of the Jeffersons, huh? I've, yeah, I've been both of them. Right. And, and Michael that's Jordan. One of my favorite. I love that. That's right. Like, that's my jam, man. You know who's singing that song, right? Uh, I don't, actually. Marla Gibbs. 
Really? Who played Florence, the maid. That's her singing. Really? I did no, no, not no. know I'm that. Wrong. I'm wrong. No, it isn't. It was Walona from Good Times. Um, Dubois. Oh, uh, Good Times was Dynamite, right? Yeah, he was singing. That yeah. was Walona singing. But anyway, I'll say this. No, my, thank you, Michael Jordan. God bless you, Father Abraham. Because when Michael Jordan shaved his head, that's when I shaved mine. And I've never come back. So I was like, why didn't I think of that? So I can't wait to hear um, from our guest today. Um, because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to ask her about. You know what I want to know? How many times she sees people staring at her and they just, they like, oh, what kind of cancer is it? Mm, we going to get into oh, it. There, right. right. We got to go to commercial break. We'll be right back. Farewell. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message. Let's ride. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jax, and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And we are super excited about this series for October that is called Beauty in the Eye of the Beholder. And today's episode is called I Am Beautiful. And I did say it with my head all up in it. Um, before, before we get our guest in here, though, you know me and my little uh, fact checker. Yeah. So uh, NORD, National Organization for Rare Disorders, affected population of males and females in numbers uh, may appear at any age but most typically begins during childhood for alopecia. And there are approximately 2.5 million individuals in the United States affected by alopecia. Um, and we're not just going to talk about alopecia when we get our gangsta in here. And you'll figure that out a little bit later on. But Doc, why don't you give us a little ditty on our guest today? Well, the first thing I'm going to say before I talk about the uh, wonderful Laura Duckster. Why do I have to put something on it every time? I bet oh, you because it's so much fun. That's it why. is, Laura Duckster. Um, I will say this. Um, write in, uh, put it in the comments somewhere one of these days. How many of you thought the first time you heard alopecia, I thought they were talking about an alpaca. I thought it was like connected i did not know so i'm just saying i'm holy sorry. shit i never thought about that before what if there is an alpaca with alopecia that would be awesome that would be a great children's book and our guest writes children i probably gave her a jr token uh way to go uh the alopecia alpaca okay well laura uh duxta is an ambassador of love why Isn't that beautiful? I just heard a song start playing. And she, yes, it is. She's also the author of the New York Times bestselling children's book, I Love You More. Now, with nearly a million copies sold. What? Ooh, Lord. Hey. I told you she's gangsta. Like, Lord I wasn't playing. Hey. Like, it's, it's not just, it's not just yeah. gangsta. Like, she's gangsta. Right. Carry on. She has yeah. uh, nearly a million copies sold, and it's still happening. It's still counting. Uh, and it's now, get this, in eight languages. She's on a mission, she says, to spark a global phenomena of love through her books, music, speaking, and more. And she's delivered her program, You Are a Star, Keep Shining, to well over 100,000 hearts nationally and internationally. And I just want to get this in there because Laura has three published books, not just the one. I Love You More. Um, I'll hug you more and oh, that sounds like a series and you are a gift to the world. So she's the co-founder of the wisemindproject.org. So there she is working a nonprofit, which is focused on bringing mindfulness to the South Florida community, specifically middle schools. Oh, Lauren, we need to talk. I do stuff with schools and get this. Finally, she writes a family and children's prayer piece quarterly for unity.org and sends out a bi-monthly newsletter entitled Laura's Love Letters that also posts to her blog. So without further ado, Laura Duxta. Duxta. 
Dubstep. That's all right. He turned me into a duke from a duck previous time. Love gangster, how you doing, girl? All that Hi, Hello, Doctor. Sorry, Duckster. All right, all right. I like I said, maybe it's time for it to change from a duck to Laura, a duck. That, so good Laura, to be that here. last name, where does it originate? I'm just curious. It's Lithuanian. Lithuania. So, yeah, my mother is Italian and Greek, and my father is Lithuanian. Now, where your family uh, is, uh, what are you, second generation? What? Third, Third generation. generation. Okay. I think. Okay. So, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere with that later with the alopecia piece. I just wondered. Uh, but welcome. Welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. We, we, thank we you. have, thank you for having me. We haven't had an ambassador on yet. So, you know, I made sure that I dressed up. Obviously, our audience can't see it, but, you know, we have an ambassador on the show today, uh, which I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. um, Laura, before we get into a little bit of the backstory, um, I would like for you to give us your thoughts on what beauty is. Right, because I'm sure, and we're going to unpack it a little bit more of different things that you've probably had to navigate since your preteens, um, with some of the superficial things that you may have had to deal with, unfortunately. But what is beauty to you? You know, I think the first thing that I want to address, which is so interesting, is that in the bio that I provide, I don't even mention that I have alopecia. Right, yes. so that I have no hair. It's just I so disappeared it being an issue. Although I forget sometimes to make it a part of who I am because it matters to other people in the world. Yes, it does. So um, we'll we'll share a little bit more about that after. Beauty to me, I, I you know I love how uh, Lauren you created that. Be you till full. Um, beauty comes from, I believe, like inside of yourself. Um, you know, a, 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 an understanding, embracing, stopping, resisting life the way that it is. And I think when you look at life the way that it is, just the way that it is, there's nothing but beauty. Mm. Mm. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because oftentimes beauty is affiliated with some kind of moral uh, aptitude, right? If it's if it's pretty, then it's good. It's pure. It's mm -hmm. all of this different kind of stuff. And and beauty in and of itself, you know, is a, a representation or a philosophy of of confidence in in who you are. But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you're a beautiful person quote unquote to the stereotypical sense or the superficial sense i'd say rather that you're a good person and that doesn't mean that if on the outside people may not view you from a superficial sense as beautiful that you're you know a bad person right and i think that with your with your books and we're going to get in that into the next segment that's what you're really hitting home with kids isn't it that, that it's about what that exchange and relationship look like, not necessarily what you see, or at least that's the gist of, of what I get it, out of it. Yeah, you know, um, like I'm just like, I'm in awe right now, right? And what's there for me is 13.8 billion years to get to this moment right now. And we don't appreciate that. We don't live in the, the presence, the gift of the, like the awesomeness. And um, we're, we're, you know, we're, we become so superficial. You all hit on so many different things that I could talk about in the, you know, um, before bringing me on. And, um, you know, one of them was, you know, how we're, we're trained to just, to decide what beauty looks like, right? So if you look back into past ages, women were more voluptuous. If you were as skinny as models are today or how people make themselves look on Instagram, it's unrealistic and it wasn't seen as beautiful. Um, I know for myself, I uh, go out in the morning and walk without makeup on, right? And I used to, now I have, and um, you all can see this, but your audience can't. I used to not have my eyebrows done. So I really kind of had a blank face. And But my friends who knew like me in the mornings... Thought I was beautiful then, 
and when I would put my makeup on, they'd be like, oh, now you have your clown face on, you know, but that was what they got used to. And so we get used to what we see in magazines, on television. And I think we have a very warped sense of, of beauty and what's realistic. And, you know, you asked Dr. Lauren about Instagram and social media, what's it going to do? I think um, the feeling it's going to be a big you know, fall, but things have to really break down sometimes before they can be transformed. Mm. So um, I don't know what people are going to do when they, you know, the, the filters that people use. I want to ask you something uh, before I forget, Laura, if that's okay. Because you mentioned uh, being on Whoopi Goldberg's uh, radio show, right? Name um, well, you know, but here's why. Great tie-in. You know, for decades, I've followed her, you know, still do. I didn't know until one of my little nieces pointed out, you know, Whoopi Goldberg doesn't have any eyebrows. And I did not have to go back and look. Did you know that, Laura, that she doesn't have eyebrows? I don't think I did. And she, didn't she does not. She, no one's close. ever seen her with eyebrows. And nobody notices. So... Mm. Mm. Up there, as I told you, it was a tie-in. So, so one of the main focuses of our show is to be understood, not necessarily agreed with. And so the idea behind it is, is that we have a bunch of listeners out there, hopefully, that are tuning into this of like, if I do judge a book by its cover, I want you to take us back to when you were a little girl. And, you know, we already know that there's a ton of pressures on little girls for a lot of different things. But when you knew that you were going to be affected or transformed by this, like, were you just all in even as a little girl or did it take you time to, to build and understand, you know, who you are today? Yeah, no, I'm not a quick learner. So, and it's hard to get who I was. So... At the age of 10, I probably had just a coin-sized bald spot in the back of my head. And I grew up in Boston, which is where I am now, though I'm based in South Florida these days. Um, coin-sized bald spot for about a year. And the thing that I wanted to do was just ignore and deny it. That's we're really good at doing that, I think, in Boston and just in life in general. And then all of a sudden, the summer before sixth grade, I guess, so the summer that I turned 11, all of a sudden, I became an 11-year-old with a really bad comb over. The patches had just gotten really big, and I was trying to cover it up. And then by October, there was you know, nothing I thought we could do besides get a wig. My mother brought me around from doctor to doctor to try to get a um, <sighs> diagnosis. And they finally, at Boston Children's Hospital, said, it's alopecia. There's really nothing you can do. Get her a wig, and don't you don't need to tell anyone. And my mother knew that that was terrible advice, but I was fine with that. What a cool, so what a cool mom, though, right? Way. That's a cool mom, right? She knew, but she didn't do anything really about it because I was, I was strong. My father was a raging alcoholic. She was a kindergarten teacher. She knew better, but she did not have any agreement from us. So I got this terrible wig that was... Um, you know, made for older people. It didn't fit me right. I have a really small head anyways. And I didn't look in a mirror for 10 years, going back to Dr. Lauren and looking in the mirror. 10 years without a wig on, I wouldn't look at myself in a mirror from the time I was 11 till the time I was 21. Why? Did, did you I think you were ugly? Or? I, I thought there must be a monster under there. There was definitely something wrong with me. I was never going to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. Nobody was going to like me. I was became really introverted, shoulders down, head down, not beautiful, <laughs> not beautiful because I wasn't owning who I was. I just thought that, you know, my life was over. And then slowly I began realizing that I was learning things and lessons about life that I appreciated. And then I got to a point that I knew that I would never trade my hair for the lessons that I'd learned. And then it was after I had the idea for my first book, all of a sudden I was like, I'm not going to wear wigs anymore. And it just came out of nowhere, but it came from love. And um, now I get to go into schools and share about the power of being yourself. And I just embraced it. And I just, I got complete with it. I like no longer, it's, I'm just no longer upset by it. Yeah. Let, let's, let's back the car up a little bit. Like the doc likes to say, I, I want to talk a little bit and, you know, I want the doc to get into um, 
about some of those darker times, right? Because in order to learn the lesson, the first thing we have to admit is that we have a problem. So what was the biggest problem that you had with yourself? And then how did you start to learn or, or be able to get that stimulus to, to make that change? It is, um, it's like, you know, sometimes I, I wish maybe I was a better actor because it's really hard for me to um, get you back to how bad it was. So I just turned to everything that, you know, wasn't good for me. I became addicted to, I started drinking probably when I was in middle school. Um, I stopped drinking in 2020 for eight months. And I was like, that's the longest I've gone since middle school without having a drink. Right. So during COVID year, while everybody else was drinking, I decided to stop drinking for eight months. Um, but I, so I turned to drinking and then I moved to Miami after um, college to South Beach and I had never done any drugs. And I started doing a bunch of like all the party drugs, the ecstasy and acid and mushrooms. And I, you know, got too caught up in too much sex. And, um, and I was just, I was just, starving for attention to escape who I was. And so I, I was so in a swirl. I, I lived in South Beach, Miami, and I made some good friends from it and, you know, had some fun times, but I'm lucky I lived through them. And it was, um, it was really the answer to a prayer one night where my first book poured through me. And I didn't realize how that book was, I was praying for my sister and my young nephew but it turned out that's what pulled me out of the dark swirl that I was in, as well as, um, you know, ended up just being such a gift to the world. Well, ironically, well. and then I want to turn it over to Doc because we're, we're running a little bit on time on the first segment, but I really like where we're going here. Ironically, you suck, sought out the superficial, right? The dope, the drinking, the sex, all of these different kinds of things because you were viewing yourself on the outside superficially. So you haven't, you hadn't found that beauty yet, right? That manifestation of, you know, the ambassador of love, you know, which we'll get into next segment. Doc, you got anything before we go to break? I'll wait. I got a lot. He's going to wait. All right, cool. Well, hey, folks, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back right after this. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax. I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message, let's ride. Hey y'all, this is Cowboy Jax and I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And man, Laura Gangsta of Love, Duxta, uh, is with us today on our episode, I Am Beautiful. And we're going to get into her books in just a little bit. But the doc at the break said, I'll wait, which I always love that because I know that that brilliant mind is brewing up some goodies. <laughs> so, uh, doc, I'm going to let you uh, kick it off. Okay. Well, Laura, I'm so glad you're here. So what I wanted to say was way back at the beginning of the interview, you were, uh, I think Jack Sachs, you where it came from, you said, it came out of nowhere. And then right after it, you said, it came out of love. And then later down the road, you were talking about when the first book came and you said, it. I had prayed for it. And it just, and my first book poured out of me. So I'm saying that for that person that could be listening, that believes that uh, uh, nowhere is really a place. No, uh, you know, love is a place. Love is a place. Faith is a place. So I just wanted to get that out there. And it stuck with me, Jax. Great question when you asked her, well, what made you change? Because I asked myself that question when you said it. And instantly I felt my spirit say, nothing made me change. It was change that made me. Mm -hmm. See? Little mm -hmm. nuggets, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, carry on. Go on. Uh, I, I do have a question. Uh, just to, to help some people uh, understand a little better because there are so many misconceptions um, surrounding alopecia and, you know, the slap heard around the globe. Uh, 
I believe helped open the door to this conversation. And a lot of people believe, believe it or not, I found this on the web, that um, alopecia is mainly people who are not healthy. And that's not true. Mm. They say most people who develop alopecia are in generally good health. But alopecia, areach, uh, how do you say that? Aretia? Aria? Alopecia. Ariada, I knew you'd know. It is an autoimmune. It makes it sound so pretty, y'all. Ariada. Right. Like a <laughs> yeah. like it was some music or something. Right. Um, it's a condition in which your immune system mistakes healthy hair follicles as harmful and therefore it attacks them. So my question to you, Laura, because I was like, how many times I bet too many to count where you can just read people's body language and their stares and their glares or whatever it may come off as um, thinking that old oh, poor, poor lady, she's got cancer. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to just backtrack for a second. And I want to share that when I was about seven or eight years old, I had this idea that I was learning something in, um, you know, Sunday school, right? That Jesus was teaching that we're all brothers and sisters, and because of that, we're meant to love one another. And I remember just wanting to like raise my arm up and be like, one day I'm going to travel the world, connect with my sisters and brothers, and share the message of love. And I really see my whole experience now. I can look back and be like, this was like divine plan so that I could learn to love myself and others beyond what I understood. Um, or is capable of. So I look at it like that. Now that connects to the, uh, the, the, you know, the question about people approaching me with, you know, because of, is it cancer? Are you going through treatment? So it happens all the time. And really? Like they're yeah, that bold about it. Well, you know what? So it's so interesting how we see things, right? So when I, I want to share this, when I felt like there was something wrong with me, and that I was never going to be able to do the things that I wanted to do and nobody was going to like me. That's how the world showed up. So the world might have showed up like laughing or like snickering or staring. And I still get stares sometimes or children saying like, hey, mom, that lady's got no hair. I'm like, I know. <laughs> but, um, but when people approach me and ask me if I'm going through cancer treatment, it's I feel like it's because they have or someone they love has. Mm. And they want to wish me well, give me a hug or share like encouragement or say like, you go girl. Now, literally people stop on the side of the road and they're like, hey, you're beautiful. And I know that it's because of how I've embraced you know, myself and owning it. So now that's how the world sees me. And I'm so grateful. I know that I'm, I'm grateful that I had the experience that I had. Sometimes it feels like I wasted some decades, but I know that I can relate to anybody who's really at the bottom of a bad experience. And I can be an example of it getting better and not only getting better, but transforming it into, you know, power and grace. And now I feel like I get to be in the world and represent courage and strength and beauty and truth and I just, you know, you know, I'm blessed to do you, what I You do. made an interesting point. You said, you know, wasted. I, I don't think any time is wasted. I think that at times it just takes us a longer time to learn, right? Whereas to when we're in that class, you know, for me, it was math classes and it was like, I'm just not getting it. So I need a tutor, right? So sometimes you got to take yourself all the way through the whole entire train wreck in order to get to that point to where that epiphany pops off. Now, my next question for you would be, what is your educational background? Are, are, you, are you a journalist? Did you go to college? Like, are you got an English degree because you're an author. So, you know, what, what's your educational background? Yeah, um, you know, and I think here would be my, you know, plug for, don't go to college just because you think you have to <laughs> or because, you know, it's the expected track or your parents want you to. Um, I went to college and partied my way through five years of school and debt. And, um, oh, God, there's so, there's so much we could talk about, including Dr. Lauren's like, oh, she got paid. Let me tell you what authors make per book when it's a six ninety nine <laughs> book being sold at Target or something on Amazon or a deeper discount that your publisher gives you. Um, not yet, not yet, but um, it's coming. That that payday is coming. Um, oh, what did you ask me? 
Uh, just um, your educational background, because the oh, my educational yeah. background, University of Maryland, a degree in sociology, and I moved to Miami and practiced being social. And then the, I, I was at the opening of a nightclub when the idea for a book poured through me. And life is amazing and wild. I had gotten a bad grade from Mrs. Erickson, a P minus and penmanship in the second grade. Up until then, I was pure genius. And I was so ashamed and so um, disheveled from this bad grade. And I realized later on in life that I made that bad grade and penmanship mean that I was a bad writer. And I carried it with me through all of my schooling. And it wasn't until this idea for a book poured through me and I knew I had to make it happen that I embraced being a writer. Now, all your books so. seem to center on like connection, whether it's a, a verbal connection or it's a, a physical connect connection. But was, was that on, was that on purpose? And how do you think that helps to express beauty or the exchange of beauty? So my books are, I love you more. I'll hug you more. And you are a gift to the world, which flips over to the world as a gift to you. So they are about love appreciation for ourselves one another in the world and the power of connection and i think that when we as adults and children know that we're loved connected and appreciated that's where that's the fertile ground for everything good and awesome and, and beauty arises from that all right i have a question and um because it is yes butterflies and rainbows beautiful 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 but what about that person? And there's always one, Laura, that when they're around you, you, you become their charity case. Mm. Or oh, Laura, she's the one with no hair. Don't say anything. Don't mention that. Uh, oh, you can't go down the shampoo aisle. Not with her. You know, whatever it may be. You know what I'm talking about. Tell us how. You, when you first started dealing with that, what it was like and how you deal with it today? Because I have a feeling. Oh, God. I yeah. meant the question. Um, yeah, my, um, that's, uh, that's awesome. So there were times in the past, right, that that um, was the case. And, and there's still an, on occasion people will come up to me and they'll be like, I can heal you. Are you interested? No, actually, they don't ask if they're interested. I, I, you know, I know how to do, you know, a certain magical Reiki or I can, I have a green drink and I can heal you. And I'm like, oh, that's sweet, but I'm not sick or, you know, in need of any healing. And I remember when I was in a class and I just really got, I was like, I, I, I this is who I am. And I like to say I'm, you know, bald by nature and beautiful by choice. And no girl. it's not an issue. Um, and people often say, or no, sometimes say, you know, I can heal you. I can help you. But more often now it's my friends don't even realize that I don't have hair. It was a fun example of this in Nashville, uh, whereas it's where I met Jax. I was out at a writer's night and one of our friends, Lala, was on stage and she's got all this beautiful hair. And I was sitting at a table with two other songwriters and he leaned, one of them leaned over and said, hair like that will get you far in this town. And I was like, oh, I guess that's why I haven't gotten anywhere. And he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't even see you as no, like having no hair. And I was, I, I was being funny and I, and I was, and it was funny, <laughs> but it was, uh, my friends just don't even get like, this is so who I am. They uh, don't even realize I don't have hair anymore. So for the most part, I'm, I've really gotten to the other side of it. And it's a journey, so not everybody's there. So I love to be able to be a light um, to let people know what's possible. Uh, you know, and you can't push people along, but you can show them. So, the Laura, way. the books, I know that they are children's books. But in most cases, in my experience, and I've considered I probably will one day write a children's book. But I know if I write one, when I write one, it won't just be for the children. It'll also be for the parents who are, or the adults who are reading it to the children. We're on that Mr. Rogers vibe now. Right. So, well, because, you know, the student and the teacher are interchangeable. 
at all levels of, of, of how we evolve. So, Laura, talk about what peace, because there are children like yourself. You were a child when alopecia came knocking. Um, and, it, and that world is very hard uh, to fit in when you're different. So just kind of touch on for the audience, if you would, how in your stories do you provide healing for the child who is hurting, but also the parent or adult or guardian who is hurting for the child? Yeah. So my, my books right now, although I like your idea about the alopecia alopecia, um, don't have any, I know, I know, I, maybe we should okay. do that one together. Um, pending. My books aren't specifically about alopecia, but they, like I said, that they're about love. So we sent I Love You More to print on September 10th, 2001. So I came to believe that that book was written so that we all know that no matter what others say or do, no matter what's going on in our life or in the world around us, how truly loved we are. And you hit it right on the nose, Dr. Lauren. My books are written for children, but they're also for the parents, the teachers, the preachers, the aunts and the uncles that are reading the books to the little ones, and maybe even more so to really heal that inner child to let them know that they're loved. That's awesome. Goodness. I, I love that. Well, once again, we're way behind time. Like when me and the doc made this show or, you know, was looking at producing this show, I was like, okay, we'll, we'll do an hour, you know, um, and an hour is not long enough. Two hours isn't long enough. That's what happens when you have great conversation. But uh, Laura, before we get you out of here, and it's been such a blessing having you today, um, I want you to talk to that parent out there just briefly and what you would say to them no matter what their kid is going through especially if it has something to do with you know uh, anything that's supposed to be quote unquote the superficial social norms you know whether that's alopecia or learning disability or anything at all what would you say to that parent right now that just feels totally lost what to do next because they need to hear that from you because you've lived it every day of your life from your preteens on. What would you say to that parent? Yeah, I think there's so much, right? But in a minute or 30 seconds, um, we're all connected and energy is so important. And if you're in a constant state of worried about what's going to happen, thinking something is wrong, that there's something wrong with your child, that they're going to be bullied, that, um, you know, they're not going to fit in, that they're going to have issues. Even if you think you're not allowing them to see that they're feeling it. And so what really changed for me was when I was able to get, you know, that, everything that I made up was a story that I was never going to be liked, that things weren't, you know, I wasn't going to be able to do the things that I did, wanted to do. So conversations with your child that, um, you know, if it's alopecia, you're, it's like you're allergic to your hair. We don't know why, but besides being, you know, having no hair, having patches, you're perfectly healthy, healthy, or you're awesome. You're beautiful. Um, really doing your best to not worry, um, which, you know, seems which is challenging but that would be my greatest bit of advice laura we want to thank you so much for being on the show today we're absolutely going to have you back on um i think i may do like an author series or something i don't know um but what you said today was awesome uh we'll be back with our final thoughts with the doc and i right after this hey y'all this is cowboy jacks I just wanted to invite you to join the heartbeat and relationship conversation in this space right here. Your product, your service, your message. Let's ride. Hey, y'all, this is Cowboy Jackson. I'm with my good friend, Dr. Lauren Michaels Harris. And our new series is Beauty in the Eye of the Beholder. And our first episode came out swinging with I am beautiful. Doc, what did you think about Laura, the love gangsta, Duxta? The ambassadress. 
Is that a word? The ambassadress, ambassador of love. I like that. Well, first of all, after she and I are famously wealthy from our um, alpaca, alpicia, alpicia, alpaca book, um, I'll be able to come back with more. But as of from today, um, an eye opener. Literally an eye opener. Um, mm, I was pretty quiet cool. because I was reflecting on my own. You know, I didn't realize some of the words, some of the uh, lanes that she chose to go down, some of the cor- corners she chose to turn were semi triggering for myself. Um, which was You're always kind of- getting triggered lately. I've been getting in the, in the deep end with you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, Sometimes we just take things off the burner, you know, but it's still on the stove. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And that's what triggers kind of are to me. They're like sometimes uh, and triggers can be good and bad, I believe. Um, and good and bad just means they either serve us or they don't. But I look at triggers like bathtub rings. You know, you can keep filling it with clean water, fresh water over and over. But. It's not going to feel like it should feel until you scrub that ring out um, because it's there as a reminder that there was once some water in here that wasn't so clean. Um, So what I'm getting at is, for instance, um, when I brought up Whoopi, there, look. No eyebrows. I'm sure I can't see right this, but I swear well, to God, he just put her picture up. On- I, I did because <laughs> I was in my 30s. Color purple was out um, whenever it was. And somebody mentioned that Whoopi Goldberg doesn't have eyebrows. I was like, uh-uh. Yes, she, I couldn't believe that I did not notice the absence. You got to take the picture off, Doc. No, and, but you neither of you two knew. So that just goes to point to the fact that we can look at a person over and over and over our entire lives. And we're going to see what they show us. But in some cases, many cases, we see what we want to see. Mm-mm. I mean, because I never, how did I not notice this woman? I mean, shave your eyebrows off and see how long it's going to be before somebody notices. But I, well, I'll tell you what, when I was a kid, um, you did, I've always had, you know, I'm, I'm native, I have Native American blood. And uh, so I have really light eyebrows. And so when I was in school, you know, uh, people would be like, do you get your eyebrows done? You're a dude, you know, all of the, Again, the superficial bullshit, but you know, I I understand the the eyebrow thing because you know I I don't have super dark eyebrows, so you know, in certain lights and certain things, especially when I was a kid, it looked like you know I didn't necessarily have eyebrows. But you know, one of the things that she touched on that just floored me was. I would not, and I'm paraphrasing folks because, you know, the ambassador of love said it better than I did, but she said, I wouldn't trade one strand of hair or one lock of hair for every lesson that I've learned along the way. And I think something that's super important for all of our listeners to understand is that we do not get to a place of understanding just saying, oh, I'm going to start understanding stuff. Like, like what the doc said in the sense that you got to get out there, you got to get, you know, your hands dirty, you got to really have conversations with people and, and mix it up. And I think that in a lot of that darkness that she went through, um, that was what really helped her to, to, to find that place of enlightenment. Because I think if she wouldn't have treated herself so shitty, you know, um, and just kind of would have just remained, you know, in the neutral, she might've been okay, but coming out on the other side of that, um, she became extraordinary. Yeah. So, and you, you, I mean, you've had your own bout. I mean, hell you've been to prison for crying out loud. Yep. I have. And I'll say this, I want to go back to the way the will and Jada thing real quick, if we could, because everybody remembers that I was watching. Of course, front center. And uh, everybody talks about how Will was laughing at the joke. And the next thing you know, he's up. So what it makes me think is that Jada, they're sitting right in the front row. Um, she put herself in that position, but she may have thought she was more healed and able to handle 
what people think um, as the new Jada than she really was. And it convinced Will that, oh, I'm okay. I've got a tough skin. But then it happened. And he laughed thinking everybody that he probably assumed she was over there laughing. But then he looked and saw something different and immediately felt that protectiveness that comes with vow and commitment, covenant and true love. So all I, I say all that to get to this point. Never forget when you're healing that there is always more. I don't believe healing ever ends. And what I mean by that is not only am I learning more about myself through the scar, but I, the healing never ends because the scars come with a story so that it can be passed on so someone else has the possibility of healing. So I mean, uh, I, I would take it a step further to say that the scars are necessary in order to really resonate with the story. You know, I, I feel like in society in general, and that's why, you know, I chose the series the way that I did is that we, we tend to gravitate or not want to have anything to do with what is going to necessarily create a, a conflict uh, is going to point, you know, the, the finger at our flaws, all of this kind of thing. And I think if the biggest thing that we've learned today is, which there's many things we've learned is that our imperfections are what make us beautiful. There is no such thing as perfect, whether that's a, a, a cosmetic superficial appearance or the, the kind of person that you choose to be on the inside, Doc? Yep, I agree. And I'm gonna just throw my little final thought out there at this okay. same time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm my entire career now is built on life beyond my scars. But mm. I love every single one of my scars. And once I learned to love them, I learned how to honor them. Why? Because their scars are a reminder. The ones on our physical body uh, remind us, oh, yep, I was hit by softball when I was seven years old. But that's so that we can find the courage to stand up in that world known as that place known as faith when we have scars that we cannot see on the inside, our heart, our spirit. Um, and I look at scars, I believe they provide us the addresses of our journey. Because each one of us takes us right back to that place where not only was it something traumatic, but trauma is a coward and never travels alone. But what's, what's riding sidecar? So many of our future blessings were born into the process of becoming at that exact same time as that front door was drop kicked through trauma. So I say this, just like our, our guest today, Lauren, uh, has shown us, honor your scars and live within the you that you are because that's all there is that's all there is you know and um beauty is everywhere we just have to choose it mm. eloquently put doc well i'm i'm gonna give it to you a little bit more down and dirty um listen folks if y'all are out there and you're judging people just by their looks and you're not having a conversation and you're assuming because of what you see from their looks mm -hmm. that they're sick or they may have uh, some kind of drug issue or that you know they have cancer or whatever it is, you are missing out on an opportunity or an experience to be able to grow your own beauty on the inside. Because it's these stories that we will tell or that we're telling you um, this month to show you that by judging that book by its cover, you're missing out on an opportunity to be able to grow yourself. Right. Don't be afraid to have a conversation and learn something. Don't be afraid to constructively agree to disagree, but the value of understanding. And lastly, you never know what you're going to be when you grow up until you grow up. Mm. And with Laura and everything that she, you know, transitioned and put herself through on her own and assumed on her own before she came into that growth, 
um, was nothing but toxicity. So all those assumptions are only going to lead to more issues. What you're, where you're really going to hit pay dirt is when you get to a place to where you love yourself and accept yourself for who you are. Hell, you might even write a children's book that changes the world. Oh, Until next time, I'm wait. Cowboy Jacks with my... Wait, yeah. I just want to say this. I have to. Yeah. Laura, when she was in all that detrimental space, you know, mm-hmm. doing all those things that didn't serve her, Yeah, she, was, she wasn't full yet. But today, no. she, look at all the stuff that's come out of her, out of that experience. Again, we want to leave you with that. When, you know, this, you want, here it is. You, you're going for my cup runneth over, not mm. my cup runneth out. So when mm. you're empty, be you till full. I knew that he had to get that one more clever thing in there before he jumped because Lord knows we love the epiphanies of Dr. Lorne Michaels Harris. Until next time, I'm Cowboy Jacks with my good friend, Dr. Lorne Michaels Harris, and we'll see you on the next episode of License for Love, the heartbeat in relationship conversation. You're listening to License for Love with Cowboy Jacks and Lorne Michaels Harris. The Heartbeat in Relationship Conversation.